Welcome in to the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 12-year NFL veteran. He's got some speed to go with strength. Huskers and Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer. Shovel pass to Green into Vikings territory. Finally brought down. And University of Nebraska eSports coach. Green all by himself. 20, 98 yards and a Lambo leap. Here is your host, Amon Green. Hey, hello. Welcome to the Amon Green Show. I'm your host, along with my good friend, Austin, over there, running the show, running the board there. The edits and the sound and audio and the flicking between captions. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. Glad to see you back. Yeah, How was Boise? Boise was good. Uh, it was a fun time. Uh, meet the directors and uh, other esports coaches from around the country that uh, do what I do. And we sharing, you know, our experiences, sharing best practices of uh, directing a program, coaching a program, you know, coaching players. And it's long. <laughs> wow. Vibrator uh, phone right there. Vibration. Um. But no, just sharing those the, the the stories and it was fun. You know, I met a lot of coaches I hadn't met. A lot of them I did know already. You know, like uh, Chris Haskell or Doc, we call him Doc from uh, Boise State, who's been national director, national coach of the year, probably like two or three times Ooh. for the esports industry for the collegiate level. And so they have, which is cool because now, you know, people know that there are the esports awards and they hand out that to college coaches, directors, players of the year, content creators of the year. They have it every year in Vegas. At the uh, This year was at the uh, Resorts World, the new casino mm. out there that just opened up a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I met him long before that, but he's been, you know, doing his job for this is his this year. His program has been around almost, I think, seven, eight years. So it's probably one of the longest, one of the longest, not the longest. I think the longest program is maybe TESPA. Or UC Irvine out in California, okay. they've probably been around 12 years. And they have a full curriculum of esports where you got a minor, a major, and I think New University of New Haven on the East Coast is mm-hmm. about to scratch ground into a doctorate of Whoa. esports. Whoa. You know, covering literally everything huh. from what I do, coaching, directing, developing players, developing coaches, to the business side of esports to the physical side, you know, esports athletes working out, esports athletes, mental health, uh, being a content creator, how you build that out. And so, you know, that's where some universities are. And so we're there. We we already got a minor going and you could get it into Jayco where I'm at. Um, that's what I'm teaching. I'll be teaching in the fall. Did it this uh, past spring, went well, had 13 students signed up. So from that, that's where we started. We was able to get into our first summer camp this week. And it's been it was a great experience, man. To see these kids faces um, day one was Monday and kids from Colorado, parts of Nebraska, David City. I remember that was some of the school, uh, some of the kids, some some from up the Millard area, Omaha schools, you know, some seniors, some freshmen, some eighth graders. And they get in there. What they like to do, I say kind of like they're saying is we're going to get your hands dirty here at the Jayco. So you're going to know Alex Fernando, our uh, director, uh, assistant director of recruitment. He's basically said, Hey, when you come to the Jayco school and you have a major in the school, or if you have me, take a class in the school, we're going to give you a camera and throw you back out. Basically get mm-hmm. hands-on experience, mm-hmm. learn how to take pictures, learn how to interview people, learn how to edit pictures and videos from whatever you took outside and uh, get that experience because that experience is going to, cross over so many different industries you know this is one that we're in mm-hmm. what we are we're content creators mm-hmm. um then behind the scenes with things that you do from editing to um marking here and what dp does with sponsorship all that is a part of what we basically did this week with those kids you know we basically had a project which was my classes which is going to be my class assignment every year is planning out an esports event and it's different mediums. It's a college level event. There's a pro level event, and then it's a high school level event. And they did a high school level event. Um, they picked out Smash Brothers, real easy mm-hmm. game. And uh, it was, you know, start from the start. It was pick a date, pick a location, what type of sponsor you're gonna go after, what type of fans you want to, you know, 
drive to the event? Are you going for the casual fan that just wants to have a good time and see something they never seen before? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to get the hardcore Smash Brother fans that dress up in the costumes or the cosplay <laughs> um, as the characters in the game? And what sponsor you know, I said sponsors, but what uh, what prize pool you're going to ask for from the sponsor? Are you have them donate money or donate product? Um, and we used everything that was kind of in Nebraska because we're you know, sponsored by Pepsi and the J School. We got a room dedicated um, to us from Pepsi, their sponsor. So we did it in that room. So they used them as a sponsor. So they was learning the ins and out of the business side of it from the sponsorship side, but then also from the organizational side. Like we got to have somebody who's writing all your notes down. I'm talking. I'm guiding you. Who's writing? And then there's somebody starting one new kid had his notebook they, you know all the kids had notebooks but they're not using them <laughs> uh, for us so he used his notebook and started writing notes now his chicken strikes i said hey you got a computer or we got computers downstairs you know you gotta because everybody gotta re- read your writing <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know and then we're gonna have a had to take that information and put it on a google doc for it to run a show and the schedule of the event so it was like they're like oh so they're learning all this you know these are high school kids so it was just good to see them process everything and really, it was only, you know, I only had two kids that was like really shy, which mm-hmm. is normal. I'm used to that. I've done a lot of summer camps between running the camp or being a camp counselor. That's kind of like I was again. So I understand you just got to, you know, give don't give an opportunity to not being in, in uh, what's the word in uh, in the group. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, everybody got to do it mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot just sit in the back and not say nothing, not com- not 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 commentate not uh get behind the control board kind of similar where you're at austin they had to do that but from a production tv Mm -hmm. standpoint not a radio standpoint but it's all the same so you got to do it we're going to rotate every five to ten minutes we're rotating a new area so you can at least get five ten minutes of working the board or being a commentator on the mic Mm -hmm. or being the person who relays messages between audio and the um, casters stuff Mm -hmm. like that so they can relay messages say hey you need to turn the volume up or i need to see a picture this video of this matchup here so I could make a comment on it, something like that. So they got a chance to really learn that and they enjoyed it. They were creative. They were really um, into it. Once they got to day two was all the cameras getting introduced to the equipment, the cameras. They had little gimbals, little, um, it's one thing called the OSM or something, O-S-M, or I forgot how to spell it, but it was a little camera, little micro camera okay. that's built on a gimbal and you mm. just plug it um, turn the power on and it goes and it records you hit it and you could even though the the viewfinder is is small on it the picture is actually a bigger picture and that's what we had to tell them so you don't have to like walk real close because <laughs> you see a picture that's small doesn't it's not gonna you know translate onto the big screen of yeah. a computer it's gonna be a regular size photo or a video <laughs> stream so they're like oh okay so it was good for them to see all that and, and then as the wednesday and then yesterday and then, then today um got the official presentation they call that the capstone mm-hmm. that they're capping off the event and so yesterday was like the rehearsal and our website was a little wonky but we just only had like two hours to work on it which is not a long oh time which yeah. is not a long time no. you know i told him that i said don't worry about it we're gonna have time on friday we had a lot of time but we had to do a lot of different editing of all the video the photos i think myself on my cell phone i had over 60 photos on my my Ooh. cell phone Ooh. so i can't you know from and we had people in the group taking pictures and so I can't imagine they had regular, you know, Canon and, and Nikon cameras, uh, Nixon or Nikon um, cameras. So I can't imagine they probably had two, three hundred on there. And they learned like I learned a long time ago about editing. And it's like mm-hmm. people win Academy Awards for uh, editing stuff, pictures, photos, videos. Um, yeah, trophies and, they put on their mantle for exactly. that stuff. Yeah. And, and it takes a long time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not quick. Yeah, you do, you don't just edit a couple pictures think that's it. No, you got all, we got all these 300 pictures we got to walk through and look at and video footage of four hours of us hmm. doing what we're doing. They're like, oh, I'm like, yes, y'all doing it. I'm going to sit in the back, watch and help you, you know, with the computer if you need help. We had a couple of the club players like Z that comes in to the show and Jaden was there and Sam was there too. So they helped out the last three days. So it's been and Z, actually Z helped out all week long. She was fantastic. And so, yeah, so great week. First, great first East what was it called Big Red Camps Discovery Esports. Great, great um, turnout. The kids were like already saying, I can't wait to come back next year. I'm like, good answer. That's what we want to <laughs> hear. I'm like, perfect. And uh, and even some of the kids was like, you know, actually, I, I thought more and something I was already thinking about pre camp was 
that next year we'll still do this production side of it where they learn kind of a business part of it along with the career opportunities, but then do a, a legit, just like you would do any traditional sport camp, football, baseball, basketball, where we'll do a, a Fortnite, League of Legends, Apex Legends camp so you can learn how to play those games better. Nice. Especially here in the state, we have League of Legends, we have Overwatch 2, we have Rocket League, and we have StarCraft. I just got far. I, I do have one faculty member that plays StarCraft because that thing Alan? is... Yeah, Alan Eno. Yes, knew it. So he could coach. He could maybe do a camp of. He would love. I know he would love because we. <laughs> I remember when we first met. He that's all he talked about. So, and that's a game. I don't. I have it on my Activision server. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I downloaded it. Just haven't played it a whole. I think mm-hmm. I played it one time. It was like, <laughs> what in the heck is? I was like, I knew I got to put troopers, troops here, and then you know you got to organize the. You know, like it's chess, not checkers. Uh-huh. But I'm like, uh, I'm definitely lost at this. But that's okay. That's what we do in gamers. <laughs> we figure it out as we go. So that so we're gonna be getting more into more like instructional of getting better at games along with teaching that there's production and there's job opportunities beyond being a gamer and being a real successful uh influencer, content creator, streamer. I'll be there for that part then. Yeah. <laughs> Need all the help I can get. A hundred percent. Yeah, we could do that for you, Austin. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I will say everything you've said sounds exactly like my experience at the J school. Oh yeah. I had no idea what I was getting myself into coming out of high school into college. Mm-hmm. First year, there's a little bit of the outside, you know, the classroom here, take a camera, that sort of thing, kind of introductory. By the time sophomore year hit, that's basically all it was. And honestly, it made going to normal class harder. Like, I just have to sit here and listen now. (laughs) I just (laughs) let me go out and do something. That's what I loved so much about my time at the J school was it wasn't sit in a classroom. Like, yeah, there was some of it. Take some notes, learn the finer details. Learn how to sit up properly during while you're talking, how to project that stuff you got to learn and write down and kind of memorize, but everything else though. But then you get, you get on the field, you yep. get out there to actually create projects, create content. And that was more helpful than anything. You know, I learned in the classroom, not mm-hmm. just knowing what the skill is, but how to actually apply it. Yeah. And then the other thing about the J school that I'm sure you can talk about too, is just all the experiences that it provides. They have so many connections <sighs> Like I got, I only have two feet, but I feel like I got seven or eight of my feet in different doors <laughs> hey, true. just from you know knowing people at the J school, talking to them and their connections. That's been invaluable for me. Yeah, it is. I mean, cause like Alan Eno, for example, he is a guy, Jack of all trades. He's doing what he's doing with production. So he brought over a unit that I, I've been hearing about since I got here and he mentioned it to me was a fly pack. And I was like, okay, what is that? He said it helps us with, you know, if we got a remote stream, similar to what radio does, Mm -hmm. but for PC gaming. And so I've been hearing it all year in conversations and meetings like, hey, we could do the fly pack over, you know, planning out our esports facility. And so finally saw it this week. He found it. It was um, because one of our faculty members was gone on vacation. So it was in his office. So we got a key, got in, got the fly pack, brought it over. And I was like, after the end of the day, we left it up and we put it, we hooked it up on I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday's um, learning day. And then we left it up from Tuesday to Wednesday. I think we didn't take it out until Thursday. And I was like, are we good? Like in terms of because we were planning, you know, planning out the esports facility that's going to be in the student union and was so worried about the big production items we got to buy, which puts our budget well into the millions. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have to worry about that now because of this fly pack. Like once I learned what it was and I trusted what Alan because Alan been working with it. So Mm -hmm. I knew. That whatever it is is something that's gonna make it you know make it uh, where we don't have to spend all that money right away mm-hmm. on building out. We just gotta do the construction, add the extra door, and then buy all the gaming PCs and the console areas and the furniture for the players to play. So that's our goal. So knowing that we got that fly pack, I'm like, we could take our time with the big production stuff because that fly pack does. It's basically a small studio. Wow. And I'm like, oh my god. I mean, it has everything you see in the normal size from even in here control board is just down it's downsized mm-hmm. then you have monitors of like four different camera five different cameras you know you had cameras that was set on two players that were playing and we had four players playing at a time on two different tvs so we could have camera on two both of them areas mm-hmm. and then on the caster so we had three cameras so it controlled all that and then it, it it plugged into the uh you know once you get plugged into the internet then you have cat5 which is really fast internet mm-hmm. to drive through that um signal to twitch or youtube so we were actually going to stream it, which we could have. We would you wouldn't have known the difference as a viewer that it was from this little box that was about this high, probably you know, about what's that almost five feet tall and four feet wide on wheels. 
<laughs> you know, and it had microphones, it had HDMI cables, it had Ethernet, it had everything you need to put on in production if you are not at a place that has everything already built in. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I told Alan after he set up and we broke it down yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, we good. I said, because that puts our budget at a place that we could still get it done here in a couple months for the kids and for the club team members in mm-hmm. terms of what we need, what we need right now to get gaming and not worry about it. We could do the big stuff later on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so when we start flying, uh, sending out our ass to sponsors, this is what we this is this is our goal. We want around 250 to 300,000 mm-hmm. that 300,000 would basically give us. Uh, more than what we need just so we got to buy anything extra but three hundred thousand right on the note 250 would get us everything but three hundred thousand just give us some insurance a little cushion just in case we want to buy some extra led lights because the kids love those (laughs) um but stuff that we need you know needs and wants as you know Mm -hmm. you had i know you probably parents been had that conversation with you austin Uh so there's needs and wants and our needs right now is you know our gaming pcs our consoles our, our furniture for those areas and then we have a fly pack and maybe we could buy another one. You know, maybe mm-hmm. have two. That's what Alan mentioned. We could buy another one now because it's, you know, this one is a couple years old, but it still works. But if you buy a new one, pay a little extra, but you get all the updated items that goes into a fly pack. So I was like super excited to hear it and just a little bit more comforting to hear that information and see it. So I know come fall that we have a chance of really getting this thing off the ground. It's funny how much the needs and wants can conflate sometimes yep. in kids' minds. I, I I need this new chair. I need these lights. No, yeah. what you have works. Yeah. It'd be nice. I get it. But I pulled up that fly plaque really quick. I'd never heard of it. Me neither. Pulling it up. My goodness. So like, how, how does technology, how do people do this with technology so quick? Right. And it's like, I had a friend of mine that works down in Texas. He owns a, a production, esports production company called Exposure out of Arlington, Texas. His name is Danny Martin. You can look him up very intelligent, very, um, I would say another Jack of all trades guy mm. and his company does what we do, but just from a, he support himself from the ground up. It's not with a university. Like I am directing the esports program in Nebraska. He started a program, what I'm doing on his own. And he does it out of a studio. He bought the land, he bought the equipment and he hires, he hired a crew. And now that crew is teachers, directors, and, and, uh, you know, people like yourself, Austin, that have a production area and they bring kids in and they help with the Texas um, uh, Dallas School District of Schools. I know my daughters grew up down there, so they're in Carrollton area. So mm-hmm. Carrollton School District and Arlington School District from Dallas Mains proper school district. And the kids come to their facility or they go to the schools from the high school level or from the elementary level all the way up to show them and show you know what I just did with the camp with these campers this week. They do the same thing. And that's what their job business is. And so, you know, connecting with him is just knowing what he's done that from the ground up on his own and kind of giving me some tips. He we called him one week too to get some information about, you know, he brought up the fact he said, this is what I've done with bare minimum. Mm -hmm. You can you don't need all the bells and whistles right away. You just want to make sure you got enough computer or I say enough memory to GPU and enough bandwidth of internet or whatever you're pushing through your building to make sure to go online. That's all you need. And then you need, mm-hmm. you know, instead of these webcams, get these. Instead of this JVC camera, get this one, you know, a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that sometimes, because since esports as an industry that's still new, especially at our level, that sometimes you don't need to go for the big things and pre- big, pretty, nice, shiny things right away. You could take your time, build up slowly, and then eventually get get your program or whatever you're trying to design there sooner than later. I think that's a, a good lesson for anyone interested in getting into that side of things. I mean, mm-hmm. go back and watch any streamer when they first started. They didn't yeah. have their current setups. No. Early Ninja, early Tim the Tap Man, yeah. early, early Courage, anyone. They didn't have their setup when they started. No. They started so basic. It looks kind of janky in the background. Like they're just in their it was room. Always a, it was always dirty a, laundry. The cliche one was either laundry or um, unmade bed. Yes. Very few yes. would make their beds. I'm uh-huh. like, you could, you had time. <laughs> It doesn't take long to make a bed. Make your bed. Even just pull like the comforter over top. Just, yeah. yeah, do a do a wipe over, or or maybe take the clothes off stuff or the the bed. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then pull the cover over. That's all you have to do. But you know, we were talking before the show about all the different aspects of esports because I think a lot of people they think of it they think of streamers, the ones yeah. actually playing the games. But 
that's just like, you know, being what you were in a, as, as a pro athlete. Like, it's hard to reach that level Correct. where people watch you play a game. You get to do that for your job. How important was it to bring the kids into the camps and say, hey, even if you enjoy gaming, but you're not that level, there's still plenty for you to do in the world of esports. You no, know, I mean, that's priority. That was a whole priority day one from teaching them the history, showing them, telling them, like, look, esports started back in the 60s, actually. And this is what the technology was then. They're playing a game called Space Wars on on a monitor that was an old TV that looked like an old two TV from the <laughs> '80s, but it was even older than that. And then it progressed to schools on the West Coast at Stanford and Cal Berkeley and Cal UC Cal Irvine having these tournaments of then Pac-Man, Centipede, stuff like that, and mm-hmm. carry on. And I think one of the first um, prizes at one of these events, I think I believe it was the Space War event, was a uh, a year supply to Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> that was the first prize <laughs> in the in the when you study in history, it's uh, you can look it up. It's out there on the internet, and so telling them that, but then also walking in to say, hey, and I brought up, I said, hey, y'all, how many of you? I know everybody knows Ninja. I know everybody knows Shroud. And then I say, let me know who's your favorite streamer on Twitch or YouTube that you that you watch. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they said it was one name that came up today was Mark uh, Mark Pryler on YouTube. He does a lot of reaction videos to mm-hmm. things. And uh, and I was telling him, I said, yeah, that's OK. You got so, you know, that is one thing as a job that's there. You got to be a very successful. You could be a very successful influencer slash streamer because mm-hmm. because a content creator doesn't mean streaming video games. No. That means whatever Mark does reaction videos to scary movies or to products or food or whatever he's reacting to. That's maybe the funniest creation of the digital yep. era is yeah. the react video influencer. That's what, you that's watch what it, someone watch something, but that's incredible that they're, you know, that good at connecting to people and yeah. having genuine reactions that they get people to watch it so much. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one scenario. That's one job. Mm-hmm. Then it's the other one, like my job being a coach. You know, and then somebody like Ninja, who once was a pro Halo, he was a Halo pro years ago before he became this Fortnite pro and then found and stumbled on. We don't I still don't know how him and Drake got playing, but it happened. And then <laughs> well, that, it was him, Drake, uh, Travis Future, Scott. I think Future, too. Travis Scott, maybe Future, but Travis Scott for sure. Juju? Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Schuster. So there's another job. So that's three jobs right there. Mm-hmm. You know, content creator in terms of gaming but it could be something else you got a pro player mm-hmm. and then a coach yep you know so that's three right there and then i'll list off graphic designer um you have production event production mm-hmm. um, event, um producer or programmer or manager um you have game developer um you have shoot social media director community outreach director mm-hmm. you have now and pro teams are getting you know are around and trying to sustain they got nutritionists, they have strength right. coaches, they have mental health coaches. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that person is all the same person. So they're wearing three different caps. Um, then you have commentator or what we call in the esports world, shoutcaster. Mm-hmm. We have that. Then we have the people behind the scenes who um, you got observers who watch the production screen to make sure everything is working. And if somebody's mm-hmm. not hearing the volume right, hey, you got to turn up so-and-so's mic or you got to adjust that camera. Camera two got to get adjusted. You have somebody that does that. You know, then you have the floor director who lets everybody know what's going on, saying, hey, we got, you know, this scene right here coming up. We got to make sure we got to have it in the preview to put it on the next uh, stinger that's got to run through. Mm -hmm. So that's somebody on the headset, basically like the quarterback of the room, quarterback and everybody that's doing the audio that's running the big cameras. If we're in a real Mm -hmm. traditional studio, like like a kind of a TV producer. Exactly. Yep. And those are crossing lines. They're the same thing. Mm For esports production, I've been at them where they got the big cameras that are on a dolly, on a wheel that you got to push. You're not putting them on your back. Um, And I've seen them where they do, where they're walking around with the camera on their shoulder, just like what I used to see when I was an NFL player on the sidelines or playing it here in Lincoln. It's it's all of that. And so it crossover industries that where you thinking, you know, as a kid or even a parent come here and that's what they learned. That's what the parents saw today. That's what the capstone was for, where the parents came to see what their kids did as Mm -hmm. a as a team with the other six or seven kids they were in this camp with and they saw, and they saw, they were happy. They had smiles on their, excuse me, on their faces, you know, and a couple of parents came up to me, shook my hand was like, you know, wow, I'm happy that you're doing this. I'm happy the school is doing this for the kids. And um, I got, like I said, I got kids that want to come back already. So it was just showing them, you know, that was, and I probably named off another 10 jobs right there, you know, that, mm-hmm. that is out there and exists. And if you just get this experience that you can 
won't forget, you know, this whole week, they're not going to forget that experience. They were editing in uh, Adobe, was it Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. They were, and that's what the pros use. You know, they were editing, there was a Photoshop, folding, you know, editing the photos for the website that they built out on Wix and all in two hours on one day and another three hour day, you know, yesterday. So it's just all them hands on skills that they can then use later and get on with a company, even if that company is not in the gaming industry. They could still go to some, you know, Geico insurance and work in social media and go to <clears throat> Pepsi and be one of their program directors or event planners for them. Because every major company that's a Fortune 500 company, they have an event planner or an event production person. Um, they have a social media person. You know, they have those people in line because they're going to do events because they have investors or they have customers that they want to. And will say, hey, you, you're you're a great customer. Now we're this is your reward. We're going to do this event, you know, X X location discount here. But you got to have somebody to plan on that because the CEO ain't planning that. It. it doesn't just happen. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the vice president is not planning that. So it's got to be somebody. You have an apart department within your insurance company, within your um, shoe company, your drink company, your beverage company, your food, whatever, to plan these things out for for your um for your consumer, basically. So I I'm gonna take a leap here. Tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I assume most of the kids came into the camp drawn to the, the on-camera gaming part of it. 100%. You know, we asked them that question day on uh, the night before. So mm-hmm. before, so Monday it started officially, but Sunday they flew in or drove in or whatever. And we asked them that question. You know, We asked them what games they played and they said, what do you want? A lot of them said, I want to learn how to play video games better or I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, so that. So I said, we're going to do that, but and the butt was what I do. What we just been talking about for the past half hour about job is, you know, job um, careers in the industry, um, history of uh, esports, and the current state of it, and how it's still growing, and making sure and finding ways to sustain in some areas as well. Were there any aspects of the camp then that you saw them drawn more to once it wasn't just hey we're going to practice video games? Um, yeah, it was the production side of it. It was that once they got the cameras in their hand, they got sitting down in front of the fly pack and seeing the screens and seeing the control board, switching out the turning up the volume or switching cameras from camera one to camera five. That stuff. Mm-hmm. When you, I mean, the gaming was. I mean, some of them hadn't. And it was surprising that some of them hadn't played Smash. And I was like, I think I thought That's every crazy kid, right. I'm thinking every kid plays Smash. Well, yeah, every kid should. But but you can't. But yeah, the thing is, some I teach in my class. You 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 know you can't assume. You have, you know, doing digital fluency. It's, that's one of the pillars. And you can't assume everybody's playing on a console or a PC. And mm-hmm. so that was just a little bit. That was definitely surprising, you know, but they did today or this week. They played Smash Brothers and they love it, you know, and to know that to just shows you on top of what we're already learning. Now we're introducing kids to stuff they, you know, never done before. So I thought that part was awesome. If I were a PC gamer, I would credit my PC gaming skills for my radio production. You know, being sure. able to use both hands yep. and go different ways. But I'm a console one, so the thumbs just kind of <laughs> do their own thing. Yeah. So can't give it too much credit, but it does feel like a video game sometimes back beyond the board where stuff's going haywire. You got to yep. find a way to pot this up, pot this down, click this, move that around with everything else going on. So I- I'm still going to thank video games for it, you know, at least a little bit, maybe the TV production more so. Right, right. I mean, because like I said, it's just so many things you pick up and it's going to be able to be used every in so many different ways to get a job anywhere pretty much and so that's oh, yeah. the awesome part <clears throat> about this camp that the good thing is we're, we're going to be doing this for years to come so i'm excited about that from when you started at lakeland then coming you know here to mm-hmm. lincoln you mentioned the parents got to watch the capstone mm-hmm. what has been the parents reaction to seeing their kids pursuing esports, you know, at the next level in college. I feel like in some corners, there's still that stigma of, Oh, you're just, you know, sitting around playing video games. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with your life? And clearly, you know, you, I, you know, I know, yeah. try and tell that that's not it, but yeah, I think there's better. still some, some skepticism out there. What has been the parents reaction to seeing their kids get their hands on video games in a meaningful, tangible way? I say once the skepticism goes away, once they see it in person, mm-hmm. like today, so the parents seeing it today at the cap zone and seeing how excited their son or daughter was talking about how they learned how to one of the things they were excited about beyond the production stuff. They learned how to play Smash Brothers because they never played it before mm-hmm. um, that and seeing their faces light up and the parents basically, you know, OK. in the fact that, oh, yeah, my my son or daughter is going to be back here next year or, you know, before they graduate high school, they're going to be back here a few more times because mm-hmm. this was a fun experience. And then 
you know, on the flip side, that'll be something where now they have a, they didn't have a path of coming to college, you know, for something. Now they might have an idea of what they may want to do, you know, coming if it's here or any other college they decide to go to. That's awesome. Uh, 402-464-5685. If you have any thoughts for the University of Nebraska esports coach, Amon Green, uh, known for plenty of other things. Um, well, you walked into an empty building. The rest of the crew was up at the College <laughs> World know. Series in Omaha. Oh, uh, I think I'm the lucky one. I get to stay you know, closer to home, yeah. hang out with you. But they got they got drinks. They got a buffet, all that. But uh, it was hot out. So joke's on them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right now, being for, I'm, I've been saying this all, since I got here. Hey, I've been in Wisconsin for 23 years. So I want to <laughs> revel in the heat right now. So I kind of I wish I was up there. But I know I'll be here next year so we could hang up there tight at the where they at the hilton on 12th and cash yeah. or something. i know exactly where that is right right down the street from omaha central shout out go eagles there uh but no it, it when i saw the timing of it i was like dang i gotta go back and move but <laughs> priority first gotta get that move in get it done and then uh you know get everything situated and be ready to come back here late i said mid august or mid july early august somewhere in there when you got back to omaha were you a cws guy uh oh no yeah i grew i used to go to every other game good friend of mine had his mom and dad had a uh, seasonal tickets for it mm. and yeah we would go even though at that time our team was you know wasn't it wasn't creating a whole lot at that time but i know they've been there mm-hmm. and in nebraska we were not even sniffing it yeah. when i was here i was like dang <laughs> it would have been nice to see the huskers or creighton blue jays in there i know creighton has been in there a few times but i remember watching virginia tech win i think oregon state win um i remember it was just cool to see me growing up, and I grew up in California, mm-hmm. and the cool to see Cal State Fullerton and USC, UCLA come in town, and then Florida or Miami or Pepperdine stuff, you know, schools like that from a place, you know, places I I grew up was like cool seeing them because they're like coming to the Midwest and the fans were like, you know, like this is Nebraska, they're seeing their faces, <laughs> um, you know, but the, it was still hot, you know, it wasn't freezing cold like people most people think, you know, like no, it's four seasons, gets but it gets super hot in. I'm glad they're here in June, not July. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> if College World Series was all the way till mid mid July, August, oh my goodness, it wouldn't be. It will. It'll be some health concerns because oh, of the humidity yeah. and the heat that that happens that takes place between, I say, mid July to all of August and mid September. It gets nasty here. I tell my friends that all the time. That are not from here. Like, hey man. Uh, Nebraska in the summer, mid to late summer, it is rough. Is that an advantage for Nebraska athletes, like especially in football when you're out practicing in that, you know, before the season starts? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, just like Florida kids, like California kids or Texas kids, they grew up in it. So they 90 degrees is nothing to them, you know, 90 (laughs) degrees and. 95 percent humidity that ain't nothing and we get that cleats it's, melting into the turf <laughs> yeah your feet feel like they're burning through the <laughs> shoe plastic or rubber um so yeah it, no it's definitely an advantage it, it gives you a lot of mental you don't have to fight that's one mental less block that you have mm-hmm. going into a practice or a training camp or, or <laughs> even a competition during that time of the year here in, in the uh in nebraska or down south when's the last time you swung a baseball bat Ooh. I say batting cage about a year ago. Okay. Yeah, me and my wife, there's a batting cage up in by the movie theater that we go to. Mm. I was like, let's go swing the bat. We had a little, we had like, we got there early. So let's go get some coins and see if I can hit the ball still, which I can. But it was just, you know, it's just fastballs <laughs> coming out there. It ain't no change up or, I know some machines do. They throw change ups at you. And I was like, ah, no, I'm going to at least feel good by myself. Well, they should, <laughs> they shouldn't throw change ups or breaking balls to people that, you know, just go to batting cage for right. fun. Like, they just have give them, them a fast. They I know have, they do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that one. I just want to feel good with myself. Hit a couple homers out of here. <laughs> Has DP talked to you about BP with DP? Uh, No, but I know he played. We got to we gotta get you involved. I'm down for that. Yeah. yeah between uh, I saw on social media last week, <laughs> VJ and T and Terrell with their uh, – 400 thing 400 yeah. meter run <laughs> i gotta get on that um and knowing dp i didn't know he had the bat bp i'm mm-hmm. down for that i will swing a bat good i'm down for that we got to do that apparently it happened last summer i haven't been to it either so i just got here over the winter but oh, apparently okay. it's going to happen at the end of this month then july august and maybe september Ooh, i'm here for all that yeah yeah school starts the 21st so i'm gonna probably get here a week before that and I'll be here in July too, and then because we're going to Big Ten Media Day, so That's I'll right. be here for that anyway. So I'm down for some BP. 
with DP. So it'll be five ticket people and five listeners that get to go have some BP with the Salt Dogs before Ooh. their game. Um, apparently, Nick w- went to it last year. Strick, I think, hit the top of the wall with one, but yeah, he, didn't quite get it out. He's a baller. He's well, he's all around athlete. He so you're a baseball player, yes. in, in your day. So we got to get you involved with this. Yeah, I might go. I'm going yard. I'm just letting Heck y'all know. Um, I did. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Brett, when he had it, and then now Donald has it. Donald Driver, mm. former teammates of mine at Green Bay, they are, they have the, they get the Donald Driver softball um, charity, celebrity, all that, blah, 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 <laughs> up in Appleton, Wisconsin, where the Timber, uh, Timber, Timber Rattlers play. Mm-hmm. And it's a, even though it's softball, I knocked it out of the stadium. There. Nice. Let's go. Right field line. It, basically, the, it's like the stadium and then like the freeway. It almost went onto the freeway. So I got, I got, still got a little power. Wait, did you swing lefty too? Oh yeah, yes, yes. Ken Griffey, another baby. one. Yes, indeed. My man. Yes, indeed. And and the kid that's there, Julian um, Rodriguez, uh-huh. up in Seattle. Yeah. That was my. I said growing up, that was my team because of Ken ah, Griffey because he yep. was a lefty. He also mm-hmm. played. He had a football background. He did. You know, and his dad was awesome too. I was a fan of both, and it was more the fact that he was a lefty. And I was a mm-hmm. kid. I was like probably six or seven. I found out he was a lefty. I was like, oh sweet, just like me. Because you know how we get lefties, we oh, get the yeah. bad rap. You know, we but, do. but we're the ones that are in our right mind all the time. Amen. Yeah. It's just, why wouldn't you? Most people throw right-handed, so you have that advantage. You're mm-hmm. a step and a half closer to first base. Yep. I've tried to do that with my coach. Like, once I really learned the game growing up, I started playing when I was 10. So between 12 and 14, I was like, hey, you know, between button and all that, I said, let me play first base because, you know, I got, I've got, you know, I can catch it. I'm limber and I could, you know, fast. I could run people down. They was like, no, we need you in outfield. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I could play first base though. It's not hard, you know. It's like whatever. All right, I gotta play center, left, right. Let's go. That's the issue with you know young first baseman. You have either there are two prototypes for young first baseman: the mm-hmm. really tall, lanky ones that can stretch, yep. or the guys that don't move. It's so rare to have an athletic first baseman, <laughs> right? And that goes so far. I would have been that. Yeah, I've been a very athletic first baseman. And then because I remember my put my my teammates would laugh how fast I could run the first base. I'm like, what's so funny about that? It's like, this to be, it's ridiculous. Like you're, <laughs> you don't even get out. I'm like, nah. Nah. I was supposed to. I saw the dribbler. You know, I hit a dribbler mm-hmm. between second and third. Pew. Hey, trying to make this happen. Trying to get some points on the board. Y'all, <laughs> we got to generate runs here. Like, what you talking about? So. That's all I could do. I mean, I was five foot, 100 pounds going into high school. Okay. So that yeah. was my strategy. It was just that weighed about as much as i did so can i get, can i get behind it can i push it that way yep. and trust my legs yep that's the move that was a that was a that was strategy that was strategy right there double squeeze plays too we were doing that out in cali i had a couple of those that was fun that was fun all that good baseball strategy stuff oh, yeah. mm-hmm. i will say i was with you getting moved to the outfield was sad it was, it was, I was a shortstop growing up and I'm like, oh, just okay. give, me, give me a shot to compete. You know, I, I, I could have handled it. I can do it. Right. But they moved me out to the outfield when I got to high school. I love it. I never want to go back to infield ever again. Yeah. yeah. Outfield's great. Yeah. I, I, I was that kid that if it was a hitter's game or a pitcher's game going on, excuse me, mm-hmm. I'll be sitting there messing with the, the butterflies or the moths <laughs> oh, yeah. or the birds flying around me out there. And my coach be like, come on, pay attention. I'm like, it's a no hitter right now. Our, you know, Khalif is doing fine. Like, I got, I hear the bat. You know, the yeah. ball in the bat, I hear it. You know, I get my start looking in there. <laughs> I better find it quick. You know, so coach, I'm fast enough. Coach, I got the reaction. Yeah, you, you trust me? Come on, that's yeah, why you put me out here. I got here. enough reaction time. Yeah, get on it. Who was the mm. best baseball player you played with growing up? Ooh, that's a great question. Besides I, yourself, uh, I had like I played on this team. Before you know, in Cali, we were the um, we we're the Angels, so that was a you know we were the you know like the mm-hmm. professional Angels yeah. right down the street in Anaheim at that time, and then so we're in inner city um, Los Angeles. Not now we practice at a field called Rancho Rancho Park. It was part of basically Dorsey High School, so famous Dorsey mm-hmm. Los okay. Angeles Dorsey High School mm-hmm. um, practice fields, and so that's where we practiced at every day. And we played our games on the weekend, and we had a squad. Like I, I started at ten. And they already had won the championship like two or three times before I got there. Ooh. So they had good coaching. Um, the coach, <clears throat> his name was Cliff. Can't remember Cliff, uh, coach's Cliff, Coach Cliff's last name, but I knew he was a, a pitcher in the Negro Leagues. So he had wow. professional experience. Wow. You know, get some 
fantastic players. And so he taught us. That's how I knew about a squeeze play at age 10 because of mm-hmm. him, you know, and how to bunt it. You know, knowing that the speed I had, that's why I was the person bunting because I could get the first base. And then the other fast player we had named Darius, he's going to score. I'm going to get, then we got two, we got a score and somebody else in scoring position, yeah. you know, especially with my speed. Like I would get on first. He said, Oh, we're in scoring position. I'm like, He's like, You're fast. <laughs> he's like, Don't worry about it. Yeah. You, you're, you're in scoring position. I'm like, Okay. You know, I didn't know I'm a kid, like, and humble. So I'm like, yeah. Whatever. All right. <laughs> and so, you know, we had a couple of plays. So his son, Khalif, he was a fantastic. Like, he was pitching no hitters. Whew. He was throwing everything, curve, change-ups, sliders, everything. Love um, those kids that listen to their pops that played in the majors. Right. <laughs> you know, um, we had another kid that was our catcher. And he was kind of – he was, like, one of the more bigger kids. He was kind of, like, my size. And uh, his name was Stacy. Perfect catcher name. Oh, yeah. It's oh, Stacy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was like he's like I said he was thick like me so having me in the outfield and Stacy at home plate who could actually like he could throw from home plate on his knees, Ooh. you know. And then when I was I batted fourth, he batted fifth, so we're like back to back in the order. I was clean up, mm. and then he he went right after me or a couple batters after me. That's unfair to have someone as fast as you batting clean up as well, right? Uh, yeah. My goodness, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we had a little squad and we had play, we had role players, you know, guys that were really good hitters, but, you know, weren't very fast, like running the baseline or vice versa. Weren't weren't great hitters, but they knew how to bunt or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or they were good in the outfield, you know, a shortstop or first or second. Um, and then the other outfielders, we had one kid named Burbick. He was kind of built like me, too. He worked um, right field or left field and I was center. By the time we got done, we won when I got there. So they already won two or three. Mm-hmm. When I got there, we won another three in a row. And it was amazing. And we never, what the crazy thing was, Al, we always wonder why. I always wonder why. I never asked them. I might, you know, whenever I go back to California and talk to our friends, you know, all those guys that were my teammates, say, hey, why we never signed up for the Little League World Series? You know, because, but if, as you'll know, it's sectioned off. You got to go to certain qualifying qualifiers. But still, it's like these group of kids that we had, we were, I'm watching the TV, like, why are we not in wherever they at? Where they at? Williamsport. Yeah, Williamsport. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I'm like, where they at, Dad? Are they Williamsport? I was like, where is that? Indiana? Like, I don't <laughs> know. But he's like, I'm like, why are we not there? You know, so yeah. it's just, I'm like, man, we would have, we probably, I don't know if we would have won, but just going there, we would have definitely been competitive. Mm-hmm. We would have been competitive going out to Williamsport. And I always saw them guys out there. I'm like, we could do that. We could kick their butt. Oh, we yeah. Have some fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to go to Williamsport anyway. Like, that sounds like a, <laughs> it looks like a fun place. Shoot. That's one of those things that I, I've, I appreciate for those kids that have that opportunity, but yeah, like I still don't understand the process of getting signed up and playing in the qualifier tournaments and how that all works. Yeah. I think, I mean, I mean, from what I know about like AAU stuff, I know you got to have your regional team or your Mm -hmm. team and it has to play in your region, kind of like the college world series. You play in your regional beat the, beat the players and the kid, the teams in the regional, and then you move up to the super regional, all gotcha. that stuff. So I think it's like that, just like what the College World Series does. But obviously, you got to get in contact, go online now. I mean, back then, we didn't have online, so <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so that was happening. But now you could go online, probably search it up, and it's probably not as hard as you – as I probably, you know, as a kid, I didn't know. But even as a coach, too, probably didn't know it wasn't that hard to sign up a team and going mm-hmm. through the different parts. And we're us being in California, that would have been probably a pretty um, – long road of playing teams because i'm pretty sure we weren't the only really good team in los angeles you know or in california would surprise me if you were the only yeah team. yeah i'll be like uh <laughs> inner city even though we were good for the inner city mm-hmm. but we gotta play you know schools from out west or out east i mean um up in san francisco area barstow right. you know all the little towns in between um los angeles and las vegas it's like true there's all these little teams that need to come out of nowhere and they're throwing heat everybody hits home runs kind of like us so it's like it would have been interesting to see what you know what california would have been like going through like a regional you know getting out of there to kind of get to the williamsport it would have been interesting to see that a little league world series before a little league world series exactly it would have been fun a competitor like you i mean how does that not bring out the best oh yeah I, i think that's one thing that didn't as a kid i think i know as a kid, that was one thing that never rattled me was the game, like mm-hmm. the championship game. I played in a lot of championship games growing up, and I never got lost in the moment. Like I knew, I just looked at it as 
we got to win this game and I got to do what I've been doing all year to help my team win. You know, if we don't win, okay, let me just get ready for next year. But I'm going to do what I've been doing. I'm going to catch the ball, run the ball, tackle, whatever. And I think that's where I get, I mentioned this in the first time we've been talking, just my mental as a kid, you know, my mom and dad and brothers, sister, family members, coaches that just molded me. I just had that mindset. I remember we we kind of played in something like that in football when I was with the Boys Club play, Bears. I explained mm-hmm. that story mm-hmm. earlier in earlier shows, but that was the closest thing I came to like literally World Series of football. Went down to Daytona Beach, we beat a team from New Jersey, then we beat uh, a team from Missouri, and then we played a team mm-hmm. from New Jersey and beat them. You know, in, in a in a close game, so it was just something. You know, my mindset was just kind of on that level of this is what we got to do to win, and we got to prepare like this day in and day out. And, you know, and uh, I say at the same time, have fun and be a kid, you know, experience it, be in the moment. Jay and DP were talking about this a little bit earlier this week. Was there any difference in the feelings of your team? Maybe not for you, but your teams. When Could you tell in everyone else's face and their behavior from like Pacific week to Colorado week? Mm, wait, explain that again. Say that one more time. Yeah, like the difference of preparation. Could you tell, like, even if you're approaching it the same way, regardless mm. of how big or small a game might be, mm. was there a different feeling around the team? Whether it was, you know, week one against a pushover oh, rivalry week. Yeah. So you said Pacific for my fresh yeah. for my yeah. freshman year, right? Um, here no, and it was because the player. It was right. Probably you have some players be like, "Oh man, this is gonna be an easy game." You might hear that, but mm. it wasn't something that was continuously said because of what the word was to that was Coach Osborne would always repeat, we treat everyone like they're undefeated and we treat everyone like they're just as good as us, if not better. So, and we respect our opponent. So no matter if it's specific that after this game, they, their program might get shut down. We got to play them like this is the national title game. And that's how some teams that we knew, you know, coming into our building or going to their road, you know, on there on the road that they're, they were facing us. Like, this is their, this is their national title. This is their Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is their world series. Um, I remember mm-hmm. my freshman year at Washington state, you know, there was the first and only team that have us down by seven. Wasn't very long. It was like maybe <laughs> a quarter, not even a whole quarter, but still we were down seven points at home. Mm-hmm. And if a couple more mistakes, we could have been down even more and, and maybe lost that game. So we ended up turning it around. You know, offensively, defensively, offensively got moving again, but defensively came up and did their job. And then, you know, later in the season, I think, you know, maybe a few, maybe a game or two, or maybe the Kansas game, it was a little rough. We ended up winning, but they're often, if they had any type of offense, it would have been more of a game down there. Um, so it's just keep, you got to keep that focus. And yeah, and I tell my players today um, at Lakeland to the you know, ones I'm going to coach in the fall, even if they know they've seen the film of a team, it's like, Got to treat them like they're the best. They they're the other best team on the field, and that's how we got to play against them. Because if you don't, you gonna you, there's a chance you're gonna lose. And that takes mental toughness. hundred percent. It has to because it's so easy to lose focus and overlook someone. When when you look at the teams that you played on, was mm-hmm. that something that was developed when you got into the program, or is that something that the coaching staff recruited? Um, from at Lincoln. Yeah. No, that was something that was already there. Mm-hmm. It was like something that the players were kind of saying in, in, in their own way. Kind Lawrence, Killington, Kosolich, um, Miltenniper, you know, they were saying it in their own way, but they were saying it, you know, all the time. I heard it all the time. And I kind of <laughs> – and I knew it because of what I had been through through high school and Little League, you know, on the, that Bears team, on my baseball team, on Omaha North, Omaha Central. It was that, look, I don't care who's in front of me. You know, I'm not afraid of them, but I, I got a lot of respect for you too. I'm not going to fear you, but I'm not going to just bow down to you right. because y'all played a great game last week or y'all won the state title last year. No, I'm going to give you everything we got. I'm going to give you everything I got. Um, and I'm going to get, if I'm the team captain, I'm going to make my, help my players get motivated to where we're going to give, we're going to hit y'all as hard as we possibly can for four quarters. And if we lose the game, you're going to be like, you won't even feel like you won the game. You're going to feel like you lost the game <laughs> physically because we're going to beat you up, you know, pertaining to football so it's just like you got to have that mindset you got to respect the team you're playing no matter what and you got to play hard you got to play your game and don't let no information of how good they are or what they did the year before to sway you off of that and that you know back to the esports camp that was the first thing one of the 
students ask me, like, what's the one thing that they just came out? I said, I asked them, I think I said, hey, you got any questions for me right now before I go into my my lecture here mm -hmm. real quick? And they said, yeah, you know, how, what is one thing you would give us about being an esports player? And I'm like, great question. I say one, one thing I would say, have your mental together. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't let anything rattle you. I mean, it's whatever game you're playing, Call of Duty, Madden, 2K, League of Legends, don't matter. Um, don't let you, once you get tilted, it's over. Mm -hmm. You know, once you get raged, start raging and it's like a fad or a fun thing to do. Like, no, that in a, in a, in a serious game standpoint, that's not funny because now you cannot be the player you're supposed to be. You can't focus your first, you know, whatever's running through your brain that's frustrating you or whatever's running through your mind or your ears, what people are saying, because they're saying it in the chat or whatever. If that, if it only takes that much, then you got to work on the mental side of it and being focused and tied down to a certain mindset during game time, no matter what. Does that fall under the umbrella of like digital citizenship? Yes, that's part of it because it's part of teamwork. It's part mm -hmm. of um, how you talk to one another. It's part of so digital literacy, the, I mean, fluency to um, just the it's a part of it. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's similar to sportsmanship. So it's that part of the game where as an esports player that they're going to learn, you know, a lot of them know already, but the good ones really know. But some of them still have to learn that. Look, it's going to be times where somebody's going to say something, you know, off kilter to try to throw you off your game. Mm -hmm. That's what trash talking is. <laughs> you know, that's old school mm -hmm. playing 21 <laughs> in the in the driveway or yeah. on the basketball court in the neighborhood. Somebody's going to say something, try to throw you off. Come on, you suck or whatever. That's part of the game. That's that's a. Backyard basketball rules. Hey, I'm a trash talk and get you off your game. I'm like, I just laugh. Like, I don't listen to that. So go right ahead. You can talk all you want. You can talk to you blue in the face. I'm not going to listen to a thing. I'm going to keep scoring on you, you know, mm -hmm. doing my job. And so teaching them that. And then I told them that. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like I don't, you could be the best player in whatever game you're playing. But if you, it takes one little nudge of trash talking or, a game going not your way to rattle you or tilt you, then at the pro level, you it's going to be tough. Or you might even see, you might not even see the pro level. But if you can handle all that, you'll be the best thing on your team. You know, you'll be the best thing helping out your organization to win games. It's one thing when it comes from an opponent. It's another to interpret a comment from a teammate. Yeah. Or a teammate says something passive aggressive, or yep. they say something in a joking manner that you take wrong. How important is it to to handle even that kind of internal conflict? Maybe not intentional, but th that that arises like that. Hundred, it's a, it's number, it's priority number one. I mean, that's where we talked with the kids this week is when among teammates, and, and I've taught this in my classroom too. It's the part of the digital citizenship where, as a person saying what you're saying, you gotta know your tone, and you gotta know your your teammate. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know your teammate well enough, they'll understand the tone your delivery, they'll say to you, they'll say in their head, oh, this person is my friend. He's my teammate. They're not trying to hurt me. So just, I mean, it happens this split second stuff. This not a long, long <laughs> conversation. It just right. happens to say, because that comfort level has been reached between you and that teammate. Mm -hmm. So you jabbing at your teammate in a game, in a heavy match, winning, losing only, you know, a few points behind that player is not going to take it that way. But if you and that teammate have not established that trust amongst each other, oh, literally all hell is going to break loose uh -huh. because that player that does that you don't know very well, that you think you know well, that you say something sly to them or something, you know, kind of off kilter, they're going to like, what you talking about, man? You know, they're going to take it the wrong way. They, their mm -hmm. defense mechanism pops up, trap doors coming down and poison darts flying out everywhere <laughs> right and now you're like now you got a fight that you didn't know realize you just started and mm -hmm. now you're not you're playing two games now you're playing the game that you're playing against this other team now you're playing a game where you're trying to figure out what's the next thing i could say to my teammate where they don't stay pissed off at me <laughs> right now uh -huh. where i could then get back in on good graces to say no i'll just give you some information about so-and-so that's mm -hmm. it sorry that you know sorry that i said that you know, I didn't mean it that way. I meant it like this. So because that's been in conversations just like that with my players that I've coached, you know, it still happens. Even though you coach it, you know, it's still going through the experience of it 
of it actually happening. And that's when the kid gets it. Like, like okay, now I get it, coach. Mm-hmm. I heard what you meant now because this just happened between me and so-and-so when we were playing Overwatch and I mentioned something and it caught, they heard something else or they didn't like my tone and now they're not talking to me, but now I know why. I got to fix how I, my delivery, I got to mm-hmm. fix my tone. I get it now. So that's when, you know, they understand. Once they give me that conversation, that dialogue, then they're on their way to being good, becoming a good player. The difference between what's said and what's meant. Exactly. There's it's a, a huge uh, gap sometimes. Yeah, it's a big gap. And, you know, I remember I had one scenario at Lakeland with a couple of my Overwatch players and and one kid who had been, you know, I recruited him and a lot of kids from his high school. And most of those, some of them kids were on his team that he played with in high school. So those mm-hmm. are the kids he knew he could say whatever he needed to to get them motivated or mess with them or banter back and forth or if they're in a, conver- a good conversation or not. But none of them took offense and they could just conversate through the game no problem mm-hmm. but it was a few players that they hadn't you know they just met they were freshmen with them one was from texas and they didn't know that conversation how that felt to hear mm-hmm. it though for the first time without no setup of friendship setup of communication dialogue like this is how you're going to talk to me in game this is how i'm going to talk to you again. none of that was set up yet mm-hmm. and then there was a little explosion in the game and I thought I saw some, I thought I heard some, but didn't really, nobody came to me later and like say, coach, yeah, we need to have a conversation. Nothing that happened. So I kind of didn't ignore it, but I kept, I kept a note on it. And then two weeks later, then it blew up again. Oh boy. And I was like, all right, now I got it. I said, I wasn't <laughs> sure the first time, but this is, as a coach, you learn on the run. I was like, I wasn't sure. I didn't want to address it. Wasn't sure. That's the only reason I didn't address it. Cause I wasn't hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. But then once the second blow up happened, I said, now nah, I'm right now. Unfortunately, two weeks went by, three weeks went by. It's unfortunate, but now I could get to the bottom of this. And now, okay, you and you come here. What happened? Okay. Got to watch your tone. You got to watch your pace. You know, how you're delivering the message, your sarcasm. That person don't get it because you didn't know them two years ago. You know, you didn't know them since the third grade. Right. You know, so now you got to reestablish that. And it was like, oh, got you. You know, so it was a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue before that got fixed. But it was a learning experience for all of us because that's what happened. And having players, teams, and you're in a heat in the moment of the game, just like any other thing, like football, baseball, basketball, you're in the heat in the moment of the game, mm-hmm. a moment of the game, and you're just talking. You know, you're saying what comes to the mind, not realizing it might offend somebody in the in return. So you just got to be conscious of that and teaching them that. And that was a good time for that. Because it does take two to have a misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. It, it takes the, the wrong delivery and the wrong reception. Yeah. It can't just be a one-way conversation. Like, no. That's the point. It goes both ways. Yeah, it is. And it's just teaching those athletes that this is the converse, This is how you handle that when it does come up. This is mm-hmm. what you do. You know, this is how you react. This is the this is the scenarios of you reacting this way. This is the scenario of you acting reacting that way and then this way. So these are all can happen, but this is how you can tackle it and uh, suffocate it from growing and making it worse. It's all about more communication. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't stop because if you stop communication, that's mm-hmm. when it festers. Mm-hmm. Somebody feels offended. They might be somebody like kind of like I was as a kid. I didn't want to rock the boat, so I didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be a good thing. But then if it's something that eats at you inside because you don't want to rock the boat. Start keeping score about it. Exactly. You yeah. be like every time they say this oh, another time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not going to say this to them or I'm not going to help them with that. And this is a teammate then that builds. And then or you have a teammate just this popping off at the mouth, saying stuff, whatever they feel like they say, they, they're going to continue to do it if mm-hmm. nobody corrects them. Right. You know, that's like, y'all got to say something. If somebody, if so-and-so is saying something to offend you, you have to step up and say, hey, I don't talk to you like that. Please don't talk to me like that. This is how I want to have a conversation when we're in game, when we're playing the game. Mm-hmm. We can't be talking. I don't, my mom and dad, my brother and sister don't talk to me like that. Don't you talk to me like <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So you got to have those unpleasant conversations and say, hey, look, I'm not attacking you. I know you weren't attacking me. But when you first said that, though, I was like, woof. I'm like, hold up. You're coming off the top rope with that one. You mm-hmm. can't come lying in there and like uh, Ric Flair. You know, you got to come down calm and collective. And, but you got to, you know, it's a learning thing. So just mm-hmm. as my job as a coach, as a director, I got to show them that, teach them that, and, and make sure I constantly remind them of that when we have that going on amongst the player amongst the players. For sure. Well, Long weekend in Boise, long week at camp. I'm sure yep. more to come. It's already been an hour. 
somehow. So Ooh, thanks for, for making the effort to come in and get yeah. the show done on a Friday. It's been a blast. Uh, yep. Safe travels, whatever, whenever's next. Yep, getting packed up and moving out of Wisconsin. Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. Coming official. Don't we don't have a national lampoon going on. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it won't be no, like, busted tires or anything like that or, or driving off the cliff like Cliff did. <laughs> I used to watch that. I still watch that movie when it comes on TV. It is so hilarious <laughs> between them in America going to Wally World and then over in Europe, too. It was like Cliff, like, come on. What are you like, doing? Yo, Griswold, what are you doing, Griswold? <laughs> I'm not going to be Griswold. I just know that much. So <laughs> that's awesome. He's Amon Green. I'm Austin Norman. This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket. We will talk to you next time.